Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Atlanta Man podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and on today's episode, we will be discussing the 10-game homestand that the Braves just had. Um, they went 7-3 and during this homestand, which is uh, good, all things considered, but it had a pretty disappointing finish as they dropped 2 out of 3 against the Mets and a fairly big series for July, but um, yet again, it's still only July in the season. Um, they did lose two out of three to the Mets, but um, before we get into all the games against the Cardinals, the Nats, and the Mets, we've got a couple of um, transactions that happened uh, over the past week or so. Um, two fairly interesting ones, uh, the first of which happened on Sunday after their win against the Nationals. The Braves traded cash considerations to the San Diego Padres for Robinson Cano. Um, one of the better second basemen of all time. He is obviously not that anymore. He is now 39 years old. Um, the Braves obviously have a pretty big hole at second base right now. The Ozzy Albies being out. Um, Orlando Arcia has cooled off quite a bit since um, his hot start after Ozzy got hurt. And Phil Goslin is Phil Goslin. He was DFA'd as part of this move. But Braves traded from Cano, who was in AAA with the Padres um, minor league affiliate, the El Paso Chihuahuas, I believe is their uh, team name. He had uh, not been hitting well at all in the big leagues this year with the Mets and then a little bit little bit of uh, time up in the big leagues with the Padres. Didn't hit well there either, but was actually hitting pretty well in AAA. But, you know, that's AAA. But um, a pretty low-risk move for the Braves here, obviously. Um, you know, Cano's on a league minimum deal. The Mets are paying all of his contract, which is, uh, I don't know if that played into um, the decision-making here of getting him. Uh, the fact that the day before the Braves acquired him was the Mets series, which uh, he started in game game one, actually. He actually looked pretty good in the series defensively and offensively, which is a pretty good sign. But I don't know if that was part of the uh, calculus for Anthopolis when making this move. Um, but still a move that in a vacuum I think is good. Um you know, Cano is obviously not the guy that he used to be, but he could still help his team until Ozzy gets back. Um, and a good a good lefty bat that you can platoon Arcia with as he looked solid against the Mets in this series. I don't know how well he's going to perform, but he's only going to be facing righties. And his defense looked solid at uh, second base, so that's always good. Um, I saw pretty much all I got in the Cano trade. Just kind of interesting and weird to see him in a Braves uniform. Definitely something that I never thought I would see in my life, Robinson Cano on the Braves, but... Here we are. Um, so, yeah, we'll move on to the next trade, which was um, pretty interesting. Uh, something that just came, came out of nowhere, really. Uh, the Braves traded Drew Waters, who was the headliner of this trade. Uh, they also traded Andrew Hoffman and a third guy who I don't have his name written down. I'll pull that up really quick. But um, it's not really important. He's like a 26-year-old bat. Um, but uh, they traded those three guys to the Kansas City Royals for a comp round a first round compensatory pick which is the 35th overall pick in the first round of the draft which is in a couple days um and this was definitely just out of nowhere kind of caught people off guard because it's headlined by drew waters um he is a former big prospect he has definitely lost a lot of his prospect shine that is to be sure he has he struggled all last year in gwinnett um this year in gwinnett he, did, he didn't start out the season because he was hurt and uh, when he has played, he has not been super productive for the Stripers. Um, the third prospect in the deal was C.J. Alexander. So it ended up being Drew Waters, 
a right-handed pitcher, Andrew Hoffman, and a C.J. Alexander, um, who is a, I don't even know what position he is, but he's a position player. He's not a pitcher. Um, so, yeah, he's a 26-year-old. Those other two guys don't really move me, but Waters was an interesting one. He was a guy that I thought could be on the move for a uh, different kind of trade piece for the Braves at the deadline for a an actual player, but um, it's worth noting that the Braves, Fangraphs actually released this yesterday or today, I believe, um, their updated uh, farm system rankings, and the Braves are dead last in baseball. And it appears that they are trying to um, recoup some of these some of these prospects to stock the farm as they got a first round pick, and they also got 2.2 million dollars in uh, in slot value. I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm not a draft guy, a draft expert, um, but apparently it's important to have this money. The Braves had the 19th highest bonus pool for the draft coming into this, and adding that 2.2 million puts them to 10th overall. And they can, uh, it's not just for the 35th pick, they can spread it around. And apparently that's more valuable than the actual pick itself. Um, so that's that's good, I guess. I mean, yeah, that's that's good. I, I, I'm not an expert on this at all. I, I barely know anything about the draft. I don't even know who the Braves are even going to draft. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's an interesting trade. Um, I do want to mention that the Braves have had some success in the past when it comes to uh, trading for these comp round picks. Um, the Craig Kimbrell trade back when the Braves completely tore down and uh, rebuilt. Craig Kimbrell was traded to the Padres um, for, it wasn't just the comp round pick, I'll read the whole trade, but he was traded with BJ Upton to the San Diego Padres for Jordan Parabek, who has never debuted, Cameron Mabin, Carlos Quentin, Matt Whistler. None of those guys really stuck with the Braves. Um, Matt Whistler was, helped us get Adam Duvall. But a 2015 co- competitive balance round A pick, which is pretty much what the Braves were traded for, these comp picks. And the man that the Braves took with that pick was one Austin Riley, who is an awesome player right now. He was picked 41st overall in the draft, so this is actually a higher pick than where Austin was picked at in 2015, I believe. Um, Not going to say the Braves are going to draft a guy that is as good as Austin Riley with this pick. That is probably very unlikely, but it is just worth noting that they've had some success with this before. And, um, you know, they've got similar... uh, Similar value here with the pick that they got for Kimbrough. Obviously, they had some like prospects and players attached to him, but um, definitely, definitely noteworthy that they got this pick. And um, like I said, the Braves farm system is completely new between the Matt Olson trade and uh, guys like Michael Harris and Spencer Strider coming up and graduating, and they're not prospects anymore. The Braves farm system is pretty terrible right now, and that's part of it. Obvi- obviously, the um, sanctions that were placed on them in 2017 of the whole John Coppolella disaster play a role in this but it's also when you're a very good baseball team and you call up all your prospects and win a world series you're not going to have a great farm system after that most of the time not everyone can be like the dodgers and you know the amount of talent they have in their farm with the success they have at the major league level is um very rare and uh, the braves are trying to get back in that way of that that dodger mold right now that's where anthopolis came from and you know this is Thing you got to give them a lot of credit for is that their farm system is still elite with having one of the best teams in baseball and that's just not the case with the Braves right now so yeah that was a definitely interesting um you know breaking news kind of thing that happened early in the morning a couple days ago um but yeah that's all I got on that definitely has some value to it to be able to restock the farm system but it is some prospects that are taken away that you couldn't trade at the deadline for actual major league pieces. It's going to be interesting what the Braves do at the deadline. I'll probably preview that in a week or so as uh, the trade deadline approaches at the end of the month. So that's all I got on those two trades. They're very um, interesting deals that uh, in, their, in their own right. 
Um, the one last thing, today the Braves recalled Kenley Jansen from the IL. Um, it was pretty interesting what they were going to do, um, who are they, who are they going to get rid of for Jansen going back, and they ended up putting O'Day on the IL, which I was pleasantly surprised by because I was worried that it was going to be Jackson Stevens or um, uh, Dylan Lee. Sorry, kind of blanked on his name there for a second. Um, O'Day is obviously the weakest out of those three. I thought it was going to be Jackson Stevens, who I just think is better than O'Day, but they don't DFA him. They don't completely get rid of him. He's just on the IL. He did take a ball off the leg in uh, game one, I believe, of the Mets series, and they just basically said it's like a left calf strain or something. Probably not even hurt, but you just need an extra roster spot. It is going to be interesting what the Braves do um, with their pitchers when Soroka and Kirby Yates are ready to come back because that's two guys you got to add to the roster. When you look through the Braves pitching, there's only – after Jackson Stevens, who they could get rid of for one of those guys, it's going to be a hard decision of who else is going to be off the team. Um, maybe an injury happens and this thing takes care of itself, but that's a little bit ways away anyway, but it is going to be interesting how they handle that. So, on to the actual baseball. We will start off on the 4th of July, actually, um, where the Braves started a four-game set against the Cardinals. They won three out of four in the series, a 6-3 win on the 4th of July. Uh, they got off to a huge lead early. There was a huge rain delay in the middle of the game, and the Braves kind of held on a win. Will Smith loaded the bases in this game, and I think I might have covered. I might have talked about this game actually. Yeah, I did because I recorded on Tuesday last week, so I already talked about that game. We know about it, but the Braves went on Tuesday, seven to one, easy win. They win three zero on Wednesday, another relatively easy win. Miles um, Michaelis pitched for the uh, Cardinals this game. He was quite good, and the Braves had some success off of him, which is good to see. And then they lost a pretty infuriating extra inning game um, on Thursday, 3-2, to as they went for the four-game sweep, the mop, if you will. Um, but they lost the game there, and uh, kind of annoying extra inning game. Michael Harris had a ball that was uh, caught on an amazing play by Dylan Carlson, and Phil Goslin just kept running for some reason. He got thrown out at first after he caught it. Michael Harris also had a game-tying homer in this game, which was great. Strider looked awesome in this game also, but the Braves do lose. Uh, Going to kind of just fly by these Nationals games so we can just talk about the Mets series, which is just way more relevant right now. They swept the Nats 12-2 in Game 1, blowout win. Michael Harris had four hits. He was great. Uh, they went 4-3 on Saturday. They hang on after some Will Smith and A.J. Minter antics in the late innings. Also, Ron Acuna just kind of let a ball drop in front of him. For the, that would have been the last out of the game off of the bat of Juan Soto. That was kind of scary, but the Braves win. And then Sunday, another crazy extra innings game. And it looked like the Braves were about to have their third Sunday in a row of just having a absolutely terrible, demoralizing loss. Um, but they don't. They actually win in extras 4-3. to three. I believe it was in 12 innings. Neither team scored the ghost runner in the first two innings of extras, which just never happens. Uh, the Braves finally break through with a uh, Austin Riley single to win the game. He also tied the game in the eighth inning with a homer. Um, and also in this game, Dylan Lee gave up a three-run homer to actually put the Braves down 3-2 to two in the sixth after um, they left Ian Harrison in too long. Brian Snicker did. and uh, But the Braves, they come back, win the game 4-3, to three, and uh, they sweep the Nationals, and they are off to a 6-1 and one start to the week, or the homestand, rather, as they bring in the New York Mets. Like I said, a very highly anticipated series. Um, it is only a July series, but it's the first time these two teams have played in a while, and um, considering the ground the Braves have made, made up over the past month or so, it was a uh, series that had a lot of hype around it for pretty good reason, but it's still, at the end of the day, a July series. Um, and the Braves lost 2 out of 3, like I said, in this one. Um, they are now two and a half games back of, of the division in the division after they were only one and a half came back entering it. Um, 
not a great result, but still the Braves are in fine shape after this one. Just a, uh, all three games were pretty frustrating in their own right. Game two got unfrustrating pretty quickly later on as the Braves hit a couple of homers to kind of soothe that. But for the majority of this series, it was just not a good time. The Braves were playing very, very sloppily throughout the entire series. Some bad at-bats, some tough pitching, um, some bad defense too. Uh, we'll get into game one now. Max Fried was on the mound against Max Scherzer. And uh, yeah, Max did not have it in this game at all. But he was able to work with what he had, I guess is the word. He went five innings pitched, two earned runs, which if you're looking at that at its on its face, that's fine. But considering how he looked, he gave up 10 base runners in five innings. Um, I believe it might have been more than that. He had five walks and five hits, and I think he hit a batter too, so 11 base runners in uh, five innings, which is bad. He had no idea where the ball was going in the slightest, but he still went five innings pitched, two earned runs, which is not great, but when you consider how he looked, that is honestly kind of a miracle. Um, Scherzer was pretty awesome in this game. Um, he went seven innings pitched, one earned run. Austin Riley took him deep, but Austin Riley's just on an absolute tear right now. He's homered in like five of his last six games. He had his 25th homer today, um, actually, in the last game against the Mets. Uh, but the Braves, they had a chance because Adovino in the eighth couldn't get anything across, and then Edwin Diaz just absolutely shut them down in the ninth when he struck out the side. Um, but, yeah, tough game one. Braves lose 4-1, to one, and they uh, turned around and they won game two, 4-1. to one. This game was, like I said, very frustrating until the bottom of the sixth inning. They went down one to nothing in the fifth on a Francisco Lindor triple that uh, scored a run. Um, Acuna probably should have cut this ball off, and it should have been a single, maybe a double. But he just, like, doesn't get to the ball. Like, he doesn't get his glove on it. Like I said, some sloppiness in this series for sure. We'll get into some more sloppiness in Game 3, but a, a play Acuna has to make. He looked pretty rough at times in this series, but he had a pretty good day today. And he got on base twice yesterday, too. So he's still around Acuna. Um, but like I said, this game was really frustrating until the bottom of the sixth when Matt Olson hits a two-run homer, put the Braves up 2-1. And then the seventh, Adam Duvall also hits a two-run homer to put the Braves up 4-1, to one, and that would be the final score. Um, Strider in this game wasn't his best self, but was still like pretty f- perfectly fine. The only guy in this series that was egregiously bad starting was uh, Charlie Morton, and I'll get into him in a second because he was really bad today. Um, but Strider, not his best outing, but kind of like Free didn't have his best, best stuff, but he still went 4.2 innings pitched, one earned run. Obviously, you would like to get more length out of Freed and Strider, but Strider just was throwing a lot of pitches in this game. He ended up throwing 103 over that span. He had just had kind of some trouble putting batters away, but he still had eight strikeouts. He's still really good. Um, Matzik looked good in this game. He went 1.1 shutout innings with two strikeouts. McHugh looked good, two shutout innings. The bullpen was awesome in this game, and Minter had a clean save in this one too. Um, so the Braves' bullpen was awesome. The pitching was good overall in game two. Um, Strider had that one hiccup against Lindor. Um, but whatever, the offense bailed him out. And, uh, you know, it was all home runs for the Braves in this series. Every run they scored, let's see, they scored five, eight runs in this series. All eight runs were scored from a home run. And that's just kind of the Braves' offense, really. Um, so, yeah, sometimes it's going to come back to bite you. And it kind of did, sort of, kind of in this series because um, they didn't have the greatest at-bats at times. But, you know... It is what it is sometimes when your uh, offense is built around homers. So we'll move on to game three. And like I said, Charlie Morton started off and he looked pretty good in this game, but he completely fell apart second time through the order. He gave up three homers today, uh, gave up one to Eduardo Escobar, 
gave up one to Lindor, which was a three-run homer to make it four to nothing. And then they tried to suck another inning out of Morton. Um, probably not. The, I don't know why I just said suck another inning. I don't know why I said that. Um, tried to get another inning out of Charlie Morton in the sixth, and he gave up a homer to Mark Hanna. So three homers, five innings pitched, five earned runs, three walks. Did have six strikeouts, but it doesn't matter when you're just getting absolutely shelled out of the ballpark. Um, I looked to Morton's game logs over his quote-unquote good stretch, and I don't want to sound like a hater, but Charlie has he's been on a good, good a good stretch out of late. Like I just said, he's pitched well. Not in this game, obviously, but I looked through his game logs, and man. When you look at the teams that he has had success against this year, it is not a lot of good teams. I'll just say that. We'll just um, talk about his good stretch since the start of June. Um, since June, he his first start in June, he went five innings pitched, four earned runs against the Rockies. That's Coors, whatever, I guess. But then he goes six innings pitched, four earned runs against the Pirates, and then he finally gets going, seven shutout against the Cubs. They're terrible. He goes seven innings pitched, two run runs against the Giants. And that's like the only good team he's had a good start against. Um, and the Giants aren't even like that good. They're just kind of a middling ball club right now. And then he goes five innings, five and two thirds innings pitched, two run runs against the Phillies. Whatever, not a great start against a, a pretty good offense. And then against the Reds and Nationals, he's gone seven innings pitched, zero run runs, seven innings pitched, two run runs. Everybody else would kind of like be like, oh, Charlie Borton's back. He, he has been pitching well, but it's just not against good teams. And, you know, he's had a bad start against the Padres and the Dodgers this year. Um, he's had a bad start against the Cubs. He had a ba- another bad start earlier this year against the Mets. Like, when he faces good teams, he has not performed well. And I don't want to sound like a Charlie Morton hater, but it's just kind of the fact of the matter. Um, I don't know off the top of my head what, like, his ERA would be against these good teams, but it's, like, probably, like, a five or a six ERA against good teams this year. And that's not what you want. He looked bad today. Um, Jesse Chavez also kind of had a bad day. Uh, he balked in a run on one of the like worst balks you'll ever see, like the most blatant apparent balks. Um, he he also gave up an unearned run because Matt Olson just bobbled a routine ground ball. Um, Matt Olson also had a homer in this game, Riley homer and Rosario homer, so three solo shots was the whole offense for the Braves. So so kind of some tough sequencing in this game for the Braves. Because they hit three solo homers, and they had just as many hits as the Mets. The Mets had eight hits. The Braves had eight hits. Uh, the Braves had two walks in this game, so 10 base runners for the Braves. And the Mets had 11, I believe. Um, so, yeah, it's some tough sequencing of just having all these solo shots. Um, but uh, it is what it is, you know. Um, but Kenley got the pitch in this game. Like I said, he got called up. They just kind of gave him an ending to ease into things. He went one, two, three. Um, in the eighth, and it's kind of garbage time, but you know, just kind of get him back in the groove of things is a, a good thing when he's been out for two weeks. But Braves lose game three, seven to three. They lose two out of three to the Mets. It's not the end of the world. Um, if the Braves would have won two out of three, I would have said, Hey, good series, you're down a half a game, but it's still July, there's a lot of work to do. You're down two and a half games in July. If you would have told me on June 1st that the Braves would be down two and a half games on July 13th. I would take that and run because the Braves over their last whatever many amount of games, I believe, since June 1st, they're 29 and 10 or they're 30 and 10 now since June 1st. They've been the best team in baseball and they got four games this week, this weekend against the Nationals before the All-Star break. And they they might sweep the Nationals. The Nationals are so bad. They're so bad. Like, I'm sorry, but they are so bad. They've won their last six games against the Nationals. These are on the road. 
and Juan Soto is heating up, so I wouldn't say they're going to win all these, but like if the Braves swept the four-game set against the Nationals, I wouldn't be surprised because they are so bad. They can't pitch um, at all. Their pitching is sad. Um, but, yeah, it's um, not a good result. You know, Mets fans, you can take your victory lap. It's fine. Um, it is It is July, though. You know, no need concern for cause for concern. The Braves have 12 more games against the Mets, and they also um, – let me pull this up real quick. I believe it's the beginning of August. Yeah, August 4th through the 7th, the Braves play five games against the Mets in City Field. Five. They also have a four-game set in mid-August at home. And then, I believe it's the second-to-last series of the season. Yep, October 30, or September 30th through October 2nd, three games, weekend series against the Mets. That could be a massive series. It probably will be because... I'm going to give the Mets some credit. They played a lot better than the Braves in this series. Um, I don't think they're going to completely just lay over and die like they did last year. They could, but I don't think they will. They're a pretty talented squad. I still have some questions about their lineup, but their pitching was really good in this series. I'll give them some credit there. Scherzer looked great. Peterson looked good. And um, Chris Bassett also looked good. But their bullpen, I don't, I'm not a full believer in their bullpen or lineup. I know they're missing guys like McNeil and Marte right now, but their bullpen... They got Edwin Diaz and Ottavino's been good, but they just don't have a lot of depth really. So I'm sure th- I'm sure they're going to address some of these things at the deadline, and it's going to be a dogfight in this division. It's going to, I believe it's going to go under the wire. That Braves Mets series at the end of the year is going to be huge. I know it's going to probably be neck and neck, and that probably will decide the division. To be honest with you, because I just I've I've kind of said it all year that I don't I believe when I see it with the Mets, but they're good. I'm I'm not denying it. They're a good team, and um. <laughs> You know, they're still liable to fall apart because they're the Mets, but I'm not banking on it at all. They're going to be here for the long run. Um, I'm pretty sure of that. So, tough loss, but not a disaster. Even if the Braves would have got swept, it wouldn't be a disaster. They'd be down four and a half. It wouldn't be good at all, but it's not a disaster. You're down two and a half games. You got four games against the uh, Nationals coming up. And uh, their, their schedule after the break is pretty easy, too. They go, they have the Angels at home. Which I know on paper you see, oh, it's Mike Trout, Otani. The Angels suck, and they should beat the Angels. Then they play the Phillies for three, and the Phillies they're pretty good. Then it's the D-backs at home, and then after the D-backs, it's the Phillies again, and then it's that Mets series. That's when the schedule kind of heats up. It goes Phillies, Mets, Red Sox, then Marlins, then Mets, then Astros. So that's a pretty tough stretch for the Braves in early August. Um, that Astros series will be pretty interesting at home. Oh, a little World Series rematch. I didn't know. I thought it was actually in Houston. Um, but, yeah, interesting stuff here for sure. Do they go to Houston in September too? I could have swore they did. No, they don't. They only have the one game against Houston. They go to Seattle. That'll be interesting. Okay. On a little tangent here, just looking at the schedule, schedule watching. But, um, yeah, the Braves are going to be fine. The Braves are really good. Um, and it's, it's a tough loss. A tough series loss, whatever. The Braves didn't play good. The Mets played a lot better. And that's, you know, when those two things happen, you're probably not going to win two out of three a lot of the time. And they didn't. The Braves were kind of lucky, honestly, to win one game in the series with the way they played. Um, So, yeah. That's about all I got on the Braves. Um, Yeah. The Hawks also, the Hawks signed Frank Kaminsky. That's the Hawks news for today. And um, that's all I got for this episode. Uh, If you made it this far listening, I really, really appreciate it. I will be back on Monday. Uh, we'll talk about the four-game set with the uh, the Nationals after after that. It'll be the All-Star break. Oh, yeah, the Braves had some All-Stars, too. Probably should mention that. Acuna, Freed, Contreras, Dansby, 
and oh Darno made it too, and Austin Riley should should have made it, but um yeah, don't really care about the All Star game that much, but that was worth mentioning the guys that made it. So that's it for the episode. If you made it this far listening, I really really appreciate it, and I will see you in the next one. Thank you.